We're back with Backstory, the show that takes a topic from the here and now and explores its historical context. I'm Peter Onuf, Backstory's 18th century guy. I'm Ed Ayers, the resident 19th century guy. I'm Brian Bellow, 20th century history guy. Today's topic, the history of the conflict between science and religion in America. A fine biblical scholar, Bishop Usher, has determined for us the exact date and hour of the creation. It occurred in the year 4004 B.C. This is another clip from Inherit the Wind, the movie about the 1925 Scopes monkey trial. The prosecution attorney, based on the fundamentalist icon William Jennings Bryan, is in the witness box being grilled by the lawyer inspired by the real-life Clarence Darrow. That first day, well, what do you think it was, uh, 24 hours long? The Bible says it was a day. Well, there was no sun. Uh, you know, how, how do you know how long it was? Isn't it possible that it could have been 25 hours? There's no way to measure it, no way to tell. It's possible. Then you interpret that the first day as recorded in the book of Genesis could have been a day of indeterminate length. I mean to state that it is not necessarily a 24-hour day. It could have been 30 hours. Could have been a week. Could have been a month. Could have been a year. Could have been 100 years. Or it could have been 10 million years. In the movie... This moment is a kind of turning point. The William Jennings Bryan character is finally forced to admit a central flaw of biblical literalism. But in reality, it wouldn't have really been all that dramatic. The belief that the Earth is only 6,000 years old, an idea now known as young Earth creationism, was a fringe view in the 1920s. Ron Numbers, that historian we heard from earlier, he told me that most fundamentalists, including William Jennings Bryan himself, read Genesis metaphorically, with the individual days standing for vast geological eras. And then there was this small little group associated largely with the Seventh-day Adventist Church that kept insisting, no, it's no more than 6,000 years, and they took care of the fossil record by assigning it to the one year of Noah's flood. I see. That was a view endorsed by the prophetess who founded the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Ellen White, and one of her disciples, George McCready Price, who wrote probably 30 books in the first half of the 20th century advocating this position. Almost nobody outside his church accepted it, and then in the 1960s it was picked up by two non-Adventist fundamentalists, Mm -hmm. uh, Henry Morris and John Whitcomb, and published as the Genesis Flood, which became the Bible for the creation science movement. And surprisingly, this alternative became extremely popular among fundamentalists, Pentecostals, and other conservative evangelicals. And and is it fair to say that the alternative that won out is the least scientifically plausible? Of course. <laughs> well, it's so counterintuitive. You would think that there would be a tendency to accommodate science as much as right. possible. But the view that emerges more or less victorious in the 60s and 70s, is the one that repudiates the most of modern science. Now, in the late 80s and early 90s, although the most vocal and visible group of anti-evolutionists had been now for a number of years the creation scientists 
there were other anti-evolutionists, and they were a little annoyed by the insistence of the creation scientists on a particular interpretation of Genesis. So these people, with a few liberal young earth creationists, if there is such a thing. I'm sure there's a group on Facebook. I bet there is. Uh, started the intelligent design movement. I see. And the intelligent design movement was supposed to be a big tent movement that allowed all anti-evolutionists to participate that did not talk about the Bible. That was too divisive. Set aside the Bible. Let's just focus on arguments against evolution. But their biggest goal was to turn back 200 years the consensus that in doing science, one would only appeal to natural forces. This had come fairly recently, actually, to be called methodological naturalism. Mm. And it had been embraced by evangelicals and atheists alike and was a wonderful device for keeping peace while people with different religious views participated in this activity. But the intelligent designers claimed that if you couldn't use God, then it was just as bad as denying God. And so their primary goal has been to change what I would argue is the number one ground rule for playing science. Which is that to take is, God out of nature. Exactly. You can believe in God. Right. You can worship God. You can talk to your Sunday school class about right. God and nature. Right. But you're not going to get by attributing anything in a scientific work to God or Satan. Ronald Numbers is a historian of science and medicine at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We'll post an extended version of our conversation at backstoryradio.org. 